0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to season one, episode one, first ep ever of Meme Goofing with Bailey. For episode one, I'm joined by co creator, showrunner of Billions, writer of Rounders, and close personal friend Brian Koppelman, and his son, a New York Times best selling co author and creator of Cooking in Quarantine, and also close personal friend Sammy Koppelman. Let's get right into it. We'll just start right away by saying, How are you guys doing?
1: never better I, the thing i've been saying to people is i'm doing well graded on a curve um okay. which i think feels appropriate for the moment you know i have like food and safety and health so i guess all things considered i'm doing all right
2: yeah but it is like um it's like an ekg that's overall like a healthy ekg but it's got some weird spikes in it yeah. so it, it's it's a strange time there's no doubt about it like well last night we had a crazy night um place we're staying at like an Airbnb kind of a thing um uh-huh. there we were awakened last night by gunshots okay. six loud gunshots at forty-five a.m
1: yeah and just to just to show how COVID's warped our brains um, I obviously hear the gunshots. Get away from the window. Protect uh, myself. I shout, "Get away!" I tell everyone in the
2: house, "Get yeah. get, get away from the windows for sure." Were you right? guys still
0: Fast awake at this forward. point, or were you were you wait no, so like
2: you were still awake? We were well, yeah. Uh, I was almost asleep, just about asleep. Sam was asleep. Amy was uh, asleep. I think Anna's not staying with us right now, but our mm. daughter, my daughter, not Aunt uh, Sam's sister. Uh, I have no, no, but no children at the moment. But this is where you were gonna you were gonna get to. But but uh, tell it in a way that's fair to me, please. Well, yeah, no. So so at
1: first there were sort of like minor acts of heroism, as there are across the country at this <laughs> moment. From um, B Cop, <laughs> he 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 said, "Everybody be safe. Call the cops," um, which is such a good Samaritan thing to do, especially even now where there's a high bar for calling the cops. He still did it, um, yep. but. Uh, but a few minutes go by, and I decide that like my next step is probably going to be going to sleep anyway, because um, there's not much I can do <laughs> I send do about you to
2: a safer part the of the house, though.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm. I, there's no. There's no real clear gunshot if someone were targeting me. I didn't think it was a targeted assassination, especially
2: because okay. they missed it shots. It could have been someone who really hated Runner Runner.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be almost almost justified. I'd like I'd like mourn and then tip my cap. Um. But but. But so, so then what happens is, is my dad shouts, he goes, hey guys, I'm going to go outside and wait for the police. It's like what you don't do if you hear gunshots mm-hmm. is go outside, but he was so scared of the police coming in with COVID.
2: Right. Here's Uh-oh. the thing. I thought I'll That's meet him point. outside. I'll put a mask on, like I'll <laughs> tie something around my, then, but uh-huh. then you're the guy, the cops are coming to see you shooting a gun and I have a mask on my face, suddenly I'm a suspect. Outside the house in the middle of the the night. Outside the house in the middle of the night with like a hoodie because I'm covering myself and a mask and I'm
1: getting shot. But that's COVID brain thinking that gunshots are less scary than a, than a, you
2: know, a microbe. Also Sam pointed out how like, like, you know, we live in Manhattan, but we live in an okay place. And like the, the sort of, you can't, you can't help, not to get serious for a second, but, you know, we, we can't help, like when you ask how we are, the truth is we're great. Like Sam said, we're, yeah. we're in a house, we have like a roof over our heads, we have enough food, we're okay. You know, I, I think of all the people in Manhattan, I think of the people living in areas where gunshots aren't um, a shocking surprise. And, and, and I'll say, you know, I've made a lot of movies with a lot of gunshots, and I've been in a lot of gun ranges and all that stuff, but when you hear surprise gunshots in the middle of the night really close yeah. to you, um. It is really fucking jarring, man. Yeah.
0: How are you
1: doing
2: though, Bailey?
0: <laughs> um, I haven't heard any gunshots, so which isn't like particular like that's not like the strangest thing in the world to hear that around the area that I live in. Like I we in especially in the summer, there's a lot of like us kind of playing like gunshots or fireworks kind of game. So none of that on my end. I'm good. I I had a point when I I think everyone was like, all right, are we going to hunker down or am I going to kind of try to spread and end up going somewhere else? And I ended up deciding to stay in the city, which upset my parents. They definitely wanted me. They live down in North Carolina now and they wanted me to go down there. And I was regretting that for a week or two. I was like, oh, it would have been really nice. But now the longer that it gets stretched in terms of, I love my parents. We get along very well. We're very close, but I don't think six, seven weeks of us isolated together would have been the best thing for our personal relationships going on. I do think it's adorable, though, when your mom shows up
2: online to say something funny or not. Like if, if I yeah. have a back and forth with you and then suddenly I, I see your mom show up with a quick uh, a warm comment
0: that always has a tiny zinger embedded in it for you. Oh, that's she's, awesome. she's very present on Twitter. So that's actually a perfect transition to transition to the one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you guys. So you are both pretty online. I would say, especially like, I know Sam, you took a little bit of a break from Twitter, but you're back and you're present now. So I'll ask Sam first. What's it like to have a dad that's very prominent online and also just very online in general?
1: Yeah. I mean, my default answer is always, um, that it's cool to have a dad who's cooler on the internet than I am. Mm -hmm. And then there's a few moments when it's clear he's still a dad. I mean, like, you know, It was really weird when he was like a Vine star um, in the early days. He had like very few Twitter followers at the time relative to now, but was posting on Vine every day. These like hyper earnest screenwriting lessons that are valuable to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I gave him ceaseless shit
0: for that at the time. Just because Um, it was Vine and and because it was, or just because you thought he was being too open. What was, what was your beef? Well, Well, it's just like, there was not,
1: there was not even a modicum of like, uh, uh, of jadedness. It was just like who he is fully, which is Mm -hmm. just not what you see on the internet very often. Um, but I mean, clearly he's better. He's by any metric, you know, uh, I'm a data guy by any metric. He's better than me at the internet. So I don't really have any, um, legs to stand on here. Um, but, uh, but no, there there'll be occasionally a moment when you're really just like dad, like you know when he uh, when he tweeted about uh, you know consuming uh, when he made an eating ass joke on Twitter a few weeks ago. I was ago, gonna ask. I was,
0: was gonna ask about it. that one. So I believe that was like a the moment exact in the, in interaction the, was in the house. Someone asked Brian, right? I believe someone asked if you eat ass, well, and you replied I, with, I have, Not yours. Okay. "I have to back
2: up." I have to back up. I'm going to back okay. up. Here's what I'm going to say. Take it as far back as you need to. I'll just say a few things. One, yes, the Vine was an irony-free zone mm-hmm. um, because I felt it was uh, – I was doing like sort of a valuable thing for people and it yeah. ended up helping me a lot too. So, Because I was really talking to myself, trying to uh, give myself permission to try and take creative risks when I'd been locked into a certain kind of cr- – career in my screenwriting career and I wanted to take more creative risks and it was a way to talk to myself and, and start taking those those risks okay. the other thing is we have a family rule which is if you can say the funny thing say the funny thing it doesn't have to be true and don't especially if you have the funny line don't hold back just because the funny line might be offensive or corny or weird and it, it's a rule that we got from somebody else when we heard it through a funny story that I won't tell now uh we sort of both made a deal about that so in fairness, that guy, I was doing a Q&A, which is something I do online. I've done for a long uh-huh. time online. I think really early, I started doing these half-hour Q&As, you know. And um, people ask me millions of things, and most of them are also earnest. And then this one person, just to be a dick, was said, do you eat ass? <laughs> and I looked at it, and I, and I even across the room said to Sammy, I'm going to do something now. Because oh, so you're in the same. Answer. So you're in the same room during this. We you're across a, a yeah. space from each Within other. Within earshot. Okay. And um, I almost didn't do it, but then I remembered the family rule. So then I just wrote back, "Not yours." That's all I said. Not yours. Uh-huh. But I just knew I had, and I quote, quote tweeted it because I knew it would engender a great reaction. But then what happened was, so Sam tweeted that thing, and then because I have friends with big social media followings. Mm-hmm. People like Mike Perbiglia started going over the top about it. And then Perbig said he was going to frame this. Because then Sam said, cancel your account. Uh-huh. And, which was I also delete, funny. Account. Delete your account. I mean, like the meme, delete your account. Yeah. So Sam said, delete your account. And then shouted across the thing, uh, check Twitter. Which we will sometimes say what We will say that to one another. When one of us does something that. online that we feel like the other one is going to maybe have a reaction to positive we just might say in the middle of the night someone might send someone else attacks like check Twitter.
1: Also my friends are not like all super online, but uh-huh. I got like 10 screenshots of my dad's tweet. Like I think your dad just said he eats ass. Which was <laughs> like just you know that's not a moment that you want as a human being. Um, so I like at first was hesitant to even engage cause I obviously don't want my followers to even migrate there. And yeah. at the beginning, I wouldn't even like recognize my dad's tweets. They existed in a separate universe. Um, uh-huh. I figured most of my followers didn't even realize we were necessarily related. Um, uh-huh. But now I fully leaned into it and that was obviously a, a, a bridge too far. I was not going to let that tweet go go unanswered.
2: I mean, you hesitated for like three minutes. I think if you look at the timestamp, I think if you look oh, at the timestamp, no, 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 no.
1: yes. you hesitated for two minutes and 25 seconds. Which shows you how quickly my phone blew up and how attentive my friends are yeah. and, and willing so when, to give So me Sam, it. when
0: you decide to make that choice, because you know by acknowledging that, you're then putting it on the radar of everyone else. So did you decide that you leaning into it and being funny was just worth it at that point? You're like, it's just worth it. Might as well own this. Is that where you were at? Yeah. I was,
1: you know, silence would be a tacit endorsement of his tweet. I think, <laughs> um, you know, you know, the, 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 there's the famous Dr. King thing about, about the, you know, the worst person is the, is the innocent bystander who doesn't speak up and say something when there's an injustice, this wasn't quite an injustice, but it was like, it was a, a, at the very least um, I thought disturbing enough that I had to speak up lest, people think that I, I endorsed or encouraged that kind of behavior on, on,
0: on the internet. Absolutely. All right. So we'll transition out here again. I don't have, this is shows new. I don't have segments yet. We don't have different areas, but we're going to transition out of the first ever meme goofing with Bailey ass eating segment into this next <laughs> one, which is, I'm going to kind of talk to you because you guys are both doing some things that you were Uh, that are unique to kind of this quarantine situation that we're living in Brian and like something you're specifically doing is this, this movement kind of that you started of like the Royale. So where did this come from? Did you expect it to pick up steam? Like it is I'm interested in this. Yeah. What was so awesome
2: about this, uh, this thing. So what the Royale is, is I gave the first cup of coffee in the morning its own name. It's, the first cup of coffee in the morning is so good and so special that it de- deserved and needed a special name. So a long time ago, I, on my podcast, The Moment, I started calling it the Royale. Okay. And people on Twitter like that. And I would once in a while mention it or um, rarely take a picture of myself uh, having the Royale. But then what was great about this is it was an entirely Twitter-created thing. Mm-hmm. which is a follower and friend of mine, a real life friend named Tom Kretchmar, He posted a picture of himself drinking the Royale, And he said, Brian, you should encourage people to post their pictures. We're all separated. And I bet you we'd all love it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's a perfect idea. So I said it, hey, everybody, let's, we're so isolated. Let's not be alone. Our first cup of coffee, let's have it together. Let's like look at each other. Because as Sam said, I guess in a way, although I can be, but I guess this earnest thing is part of who I am and I'm of course. comfortable being in that person online and it ties into the way the podcast is and all the rest. Of it. So I started posting these pictures. All sorts of other people started posting pictures. Then Lance Bradley who, who runs a big poker site mm-hmm. he said you should make this is after a couple of weeks of it he said uh, you should make mugs and give, give to a charity. My favorite charity is Food Bank in New York and I was like mugs What a funny idea. And he said with your, he goes, you should make a mug with your face on it and sell them. And then another Twitter follower, kind of Greg Sylvester said, and in fact, Bailey, you quickly were like, I'll happy to design it. And Uh you know, Sam and I think you're the best. But this dude, before you even said it, this dude sent me a design. He's like, how about this? And it was perfect. His was much uh, better than
0: anything I would have done too. So yeah. He just nailed it. Yeah, no, he drilled it.
2: But the guy just nailed it. He, He was just like, here. So he sent a design and he's like, go ahead and do it. And he sent all the specs and everything. And so within 24 hours, I had the mugs up for sale. And then now we've sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And every day, a hundred people are posting their pictures with the hashtag, uh, the Royale, you can go to, uh, the to buy the mugs. All the profits go to the food bank in New York. And then every once in a while, I'll do a 24 hour period where I give 10 bucks per mug because nice. the food, uh, the food bank in New York, they give to their, Every food pantry in New York that serves the homeless or the food insecure, they, they get their food from Food Bank of New York. So it's an incredibly great charity that, you know, has the highest charitable rating and it's just a awesome. really useful thing to do right now.
1: And I just also want to say on the Bailey designer thing, which people of this podcast might not know, like we oh yeah. became, we were fans of Bailey before we were friends of Bailey. Like his Nick's wall shirts were the best. Um, And I sent them to my dad. He loved them. I don't know exactly what happened at the beginning, but like we might have bought some, then Bailey sent some. It was like awesome. And then we eventually met. And obviously, um, we're now not just in it for the t shirts. There are many less t shirts now anyway. So it would be a tough um, friendship to be using them for. Did I say la- did I say less t-shirts? You said many
0: less t-shirts.
1: Yeah, that was a, a gr- live grammatical error and typo correction. Hey, it's from podcast YouTube.
0: world. We can so edit it out. Probably won't because it's a good bit. So we're gonna keep it in. But yeah, no, and not only is
1: it a good bit. This is this is the this is the fundamental gripe with Ernest Ernest BK is that in real life he's like a a funny edgy ballbuster type,
2: and I'm then on- online he's like he's I'm not like- online. But I think Bailey Bailey's been following me for a long time.
0: I think you get all sides of that online. Oh, I think, I think I get it. Like I, I, me just, so a little more background. Like I've known you guys for years now, right? It's yes. been years. Yes, It's been years. Uh, Brian, I will say Brian's like the first famous person who ever paid attention to me on Twitter. So that was pretty cool for me. I remember it was like one of the first like blue check people I ever saw in my mentions and we ended up chatting and I got what I felt like was the true you. And then we had you on the Nick's wall podcast. And yes. so I would agree. Like, I don't think we were at all surprised by your kind of, tone and everything i think you're very much you live what you kind of preach on on twitter i think i try to operate in a similar type space myself too i'm very open i'm very honest i try to just you know throw it all out there on twitter so but, yeah but I, I think look, the there. satisfaction and getting to correct sam's grammar
2: i mean you're talking about a guy who wrote a number one bestseller at 24 years old harvard grad if i can nail him on fewer versus less and there's a you microphone take that. i'm taking the shot
0: you got it Number take two that. best, number two bestseller. Oh,
2: yeah, number two bestseller on the New York Times. Sorry. I'm gonna ask, does that hurt a little <laughs> was bit? Was it really Brown? Does number brown two number? hurt?
0: Because that's an still an incredible accomplishment, but does number two hurt a little bit? Like So the only reason number two hurt, and again, yeah, obviously super yeah.
1: proud and happy to have been As you um, be. on the list at all, which was not at all a given. Um, but the f- reason number one hurt is because it was such a bullshit fucking book. It was a book that came out 30 years ago. You mean the number
2: one was a bullshit book? The number
1: book. one bu- what book was, yeah, no, I wasn't calling my own book a bullshit book. Every word in it <laughs> true. Um, fact check, true. The trolls would have found any errors and uh, impeached the case against Donald Trump. They did yes. not. Um, but uh, it, was, it was the Paint Houses book because the Irishman came out that week uh and so that's a tough it's just a particularly it it also just was, was 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 humbling and i mean this i mean this in in the real definition of the word humbling because it meant there were more people who sat through that fucking three and a half hour film and were like we need more Irishmen than wanted to buy our book so it's just like that is that that really like you're feeling good about it and then you realize it's still a pretty niche audience that you probably appealed to um, yeah. versus the, the, the
2: even more Irish con, Irishman conduit. Still conduct. a hell the of an
0: accomplishment, is, though. The, yeah, the
2: Impeach the Case Against Donald Trump, the book Sam wrote with Neil Cacchall, is a great book. And, uh,
0: Spoiler alert,
2: though.
1: Dude was not removed from office. Still president. Um, and then proceeded and probably, to...
0: Uh, and probably still will be by the time this pod comes out tomorrow. But you never know. But probably yeah, still will be know. by the time this pod comes out tomorrow. It's yeah. true. I, I think I told you this, Sam. I think I had texted this or DM this to you on Twitter. I actually, I had your book. I bought it like pre-order right when you went out. And then I lent it to a girl I was talking to. And then we, that, that unfortunately ended. So now I don't have your book anymore and she still has your book. So that was like a parting gift to a girl that I was actually kind of dating for a while. So I actually, or, I, I got to buy another one because I need that on my shelf, you know? I need that. I need my I got book you. on my shelf. I got you a date like she she used you for the book and then was like this is everything I could have asked for in a relationship can, can it could be that also term- after she read it we didn't talk again really much anymore so that could have also been a deal breaker I guess So I need to revisit this I was watching 500 days of summer last night it had me in my feels I was thinking about this so I know it just popped that's into a my great mind again. movie Bailey I need a definition on in the
2: gradations of dating girl I was talking to
0: Okay so uh, yeah who knows uh, we weren't what dating a girl i was
2: talking to me yeah this was a,
0: this was a particularly strange instance because we were like we started talking from a distance so we started like actually like physically like talking from a distance and only got to see each other in person a limited number of times it was a so manti like, Teo weird.
1: situation
0: it was she was real so it was like <laughs> but it was more it was more like a manti Teo situation than it wasn't i guess when you put it that way a lot of dis a lot of disillusion a lot of nonsense there but I digress. She has your book, so I definitely <laughs> need—I definitely need another copy at some point. Maybe I got got to swing one to get signed. I'll signed send you one for point.
1: sure. That's a deal. Yeah.
0: Um, okay.
1: Wait, so, sorry, Sam. Is, is, is girl I was oh. talking to—I actually, this—I'm actually curious. Yeah. Can you yeah. go from girl I was talking to to girl I was hooking up with? Girl I'm
0: dating. Like what are the, what, what is the, what is the scale? Yeah. What's the, scale? I think talking to is short of exclusivity. I don't think you could say you're talking to someone. If you've had a conversation about being exclusive, I think totally. once you're exclusive, you're dating. And I think you could be, I think, I think you could be hooking up with someone while you're talking to them at the same time. Does that make sense? But yeah. you're not hooking up if you're dating. So, I think like hookups.
2: Just talking to uh, imply, though, in the way that hooking up doesn't, does talking to I- imply there's a possibility of it moving in a certain direction?
0: Um, I think when I use it, yes, but I don't know if it inherently does. But I think if I use it, that's with hopes <laughs> that something like I'm not going to, like, I don't waste my, I don't just talk to anyone, you know, like I don't just talk to, I'm not talking to someone unless I hope something comes <laughs> right. from it. Yeah, I got it. It's gotta, aspirational. Yeah. Yes, yeah, a girl so, I'm talking to
2: is aspirational. I get it. I just need to know these things.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll, I think I probably should do a better job of defining them to myself and I'd maybe have a little bit more success in relationships as well because maybe I should stop <laughs> assigning labels to things that I don't know what they mean. Maybe that would be a good lesson for me. So well, Sam, learning. you are also doing a interesting kind of quarantine thing based on that called cooking in quarantine. So I just, I have no idea on the background of this. So when did that idea pop into your mind? I know you're a man of action, so you probably executed pretty quickly on it. So what's that process there?
1: Well, It started from a place of fear, which was that I realized we'd all be stuck at home for a while. um, And I'm not that good at cook. I'm someone who loves to cook, but I don't. I've definitely never been someone who makes three meals a day every 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 day for For weeks on end. Um, And so I was like, "Shit, what should I buy? What should I cook?" It was like started from a very um, basic place and. I also realized that a lot of restaurants were going to have to close or the situation for chefs was going to be changing, so they might have some more time on their hands. Um, And I also realized that it would be a great time to raise money for restaurant workers and for people who are hungry. Um, So the goal of of the newsletter was pretty simple um, and pretty selfish because I wanted to learn these tips from the best chefs in the world. And I'm also just like, um, there's few people in the world who I'm truly – like starstruck by like for uh-huh. few few groups of people. Um part of that's probably, you know, because of like various people I got to be around as a kid. But two to the two groups that just like astonish me are athletes because they're just like it's physically something that I could never do. Like they're actually superhumans. Like they are like sometimes they're seven feet tall, which is crazy. And like, they can do things that I could spend thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on a basketball court and never be able to accomplish that I have For spent sure. thousands of hours on a basketball court and haven't been able to accomplish. Yeah. And then <laughs> chefs, because like they're fucking wizards. Like they just take the same ingredients that you have. And then like, voila, it is like the most, um, it, what they can do to you is crazy. Um, and that's so good. I've never was, thought like, about it that just, way, but
0: that's so true. I've never thought about that. Cause it's
1: the same thing where like, you're doing the worst version of it. Like yep. like I play basketball. It's the same ball. It's the same hoop that like LeBron plays with, and like mm-hmm. Luca is like similarly chunky to me. And still, <laughs> I'm never gonna yeah. fucking be Luca. Um, yeah. So 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 I got to speak to chefs, um, and then eventually it, it, the 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 newsletter sort of expanded. So I've had on people like. Beto O'Rourke, who I work for and who I love and who is also a a great chef, Um, and Caroline Calloway and Coach Herb Hand, just sort of like a huge range of people who have been cooking at home. Um, And I think that the newsletter will continue to be evolving. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to be next. When I started this, there wasn't so much cooking content. Now, like Bon Appetit and everybody has stuff like this. So I may be be working in some new things, but um, quarantine.substack.com is where you can find the archives and sign up to get it straight to your
0: inbox, as they say in the newsletter biz. So I like checking the mentions, like when you tweet these out and then, you know, when they start making the rounds, I've seen some people in the mentions like who seem genuinely like truly thankful that you're doing this because it's giving them something to like, have you found that too? Like it's giving them something to do. Like people seem grateful that you're kind of helping them maybe find something to do and structure in, in a very unstructured time right now. Yeah. I mean, when I started this, I definitely, not, I, was expect, I wasn't expecting this many
1: people to read it, but I really wasn't expecting this intense a readership of people who like go out and make every meal. Um, and I yeah. do think that cooking is one of these few things that people can actually um, control during this time and can like mm-hmm. spend their time doing. Um, and... There's sort of like two types of meals that people are really looking for right now. One is a project meal. Like suddenly you have all this time at home and you can spend three days making something that you never would have had the time to make beforehand. Yeah. Um, and then the yeah. other is like how to sort of like stretch a budget and be able to buy things that, that last a long time that you don't have to go to the grocery store and expose yourself for. And people have been writing tons of letters, um, you know, thanking me for, for this stuff um, and thanking the chefs who, who came on for it. Bailey, I'm curious, you're a vegan, right? Yes. you still a vegan? How are you, how, what are you, what are you buying that's like getting you,
0: getting you through these times? Luckily, I think, I think just, I live in Bushwick. There's just an overflow of local kind of just like small fresh mart, small little grocery stores like that. Like my one roommate works at Trader Joe's and he talks about they're only allowing 30 people in the store. The lines are around the corner. It's crazy. That's not something I've experienced here. Everything's been in stock for me. Everything has been really easy. I eat A very clean diet to begin with. I really do. Because I mean, there's so many like fake meat alternatives and they're all great. Like the Impossible Burger is amazing. The Beyond Burger, I like all these companies. I like what they're doing kind of for the cause. But I always, I kind of see those as more for people who are transitioning into the vegetarian vegan lifestyle. I myself just mostly eat produce and I haven't really found a shortage of produce. So like my diet hasn't changed that much i found myself i try to fast a little later into the day now because once i start to eat i can't stop and if i i don't have anything else to do especially now because i am ridiculously unemployed <laughs> as we have this conversation so i really don't have anything to do so i've just tried to push my first meal to like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon and then really just like go off and try to fill myself up when i do that but it hasn't been too different um Is it been an adjustment trying to eat with that mustache on your mouth you know, for the first time, I actually got something like a little something stuck in my mustache when I was eating last night. It was like a little asparagus bit and I like wiggled my tongue up there and got it. I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like that was some that was something I've never dealt with before. That's also probably an indicator of where I'm at in my life right now is that was the high, that was <laughs> like- Not a, a bad
2: my, subtitle for the podcast,
0: Wiggling My
2: Tongue with Bailey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if you combine with our, one of our first topics me, there. Um, so- just yes. kind of transitioning back to talk talk Twitter, talk social media. So Brian, you talked a little bit earlier about how you really do a lot of Q&As and you've developed like this strong direct line with the fans of billions, with the fans of other work you've done. What do you think that's done? Because obviously it's boosted your personal profile. I got a lot of Twitter followers, a lot of people who engage with your stuff. But how much crossover do you think that carries into like the show itself and the actual like tangible work that you're creating?
2: You know, you would know more about that stuff than I would. I've asked a lot of these metrics questions because i wanted to be a native twitter user right if you're someone who does what i do for a living and you're like i'm 53 years old right so Uh i started on twitter 15 years ago or 10 whenever it started 12 years ago or something like that and um when i felt like other people who were were trying to use twitter as a way to market and i didn't want to do i wasn't interested in that at the time Mm -hmm. i was just interested in like okay there's this platform it has to do with words. I'm someone who's uh, really handy with understanding how to communicate via written language. And yeah. I'm interested in how this is going to, and mean, that's why I went on Vine also. I was like, well, okay, how does this medium work? I'm a person who makes films and television shows. How yeah. is this new combo of words and images going to work? So I started using Twitter uh, it basically just to, to get it, to solve it, to figure it out. And then I loved it. I, I have a genuine affection for Twitter. And I'll say a few, mm-hmm. a few other things r- related to that. Um, the, yes, I, I don't know what the metrics are, meaning I don't know if the q and I do before Billions really does anything to drive, it drives engagement about Billions, it helps Billions uh, trend. Mm-hmm. I think nobody really knows how that turns into subscriptions or viewership. But I'm happy to do that stuff and I enjoy going back and forth with the fans. I will say that the blue check mark thing you mentioned is a huge it is a huge form of privilege and advantage in the world of social media. It really it is. is. It is um yeah it 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 just allows you to surf through Twitter and manage the waves in a way that other people can't. And also having over a hundred thousand followers. Like if you have over a hundred thousand followers and you have a blue check mark, there's almost nobody you can't reach. And there's almost no one with whom you can't have some sort of engagement. I mean, you can't reach Taylor Swift, right? Or you, uh-huh. you can't reach other people, obviously, who are like they're not. But but I'm saying in general, it it allows you, and I have found this to have a kind of access and connection, and it just shrinks the world. And and I try to use all of that incredibly responsibly. So I try to be super aware of the advantages I have of being on Twitter in that way. I think that's part of why I try to be very kind online most uh-huh. of the time, um, because I feel like I have a pretty big, I don't have a giant platform, but I have a you know, top half of 1% platform or something yeah, like that. Significant. And I try to be yeah. aware of what that means, you know?
1: Bailey, since you've funny- become a, oh, a
0: verified tweeter, sorry, no, go ahead. No, I think I was about to start talking about what you're about to ask, so go for it. Well, I was going
1: to say, since you've become a verified tweeter, I'm, yeah, you, you can give sort of like the more macro, how, how your life has changed online thing. But are you like, are you shooting more shots, both um, professionally, maybe romantically, now that you have the, uh, the verified check mark?
0: Well, I, I will say in terms of romantically, I really need that check on Instagram because like Instagram is much more of like a, like a shoot your shot type platform. So if you, uh, if Instagram's listening, which they're not, that's not how these things work. I'd, I'd actually just applied for Instagram verification yesterday,
1: but. But I think that you probably are like Twitter, Twitter verification is sliding into the scoop. Like you're Edward Snowden, you're DMing yes. someone on, on Twitter. And yeah. then you're Bailey. You want to be DMing someone on Instagram.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it, it really, it's funny. Like I never really knew the significance of having, cause I got verified, I'd say like four months ago. And I think I had 2,100 followers and I got verified. I'm at 14,000 and change now. Dropping by the minute since I controversially tweeted about LeBron James being better than Michael Jordan earlier. So people just – I'm hemorrhaging followers since then. Well, it's an insane –
2: it's an absurd and insane take that you're going to
0: change your opinion after you watch the thing. I figured I'd get it out there and then I could, you know, develop some personal growth after watching The Last Dance tonight. But I – my thing is like I've grown – I have the benefit and I actually, she didn't DM me back, but I DMed Chrissy Teigen the other day because Chrissy Teigen followed me on Twitter like 16, 17 months ago. And she probably, I mean, I think she knows I exist at this point. She's interacted a few times, but which she'll never realize, she has helped my personal and professional growth unprecedentedly like a million times over just by following me and replying to a few tweets because she engaged like my most viral tweet I've ever had was like, I just was walking out of the grocery store I didn't have a reusable grocery bag with me. I'm holding an avocado in my hand and I tweet, what fruit do you guys think you could throw the farthest? I could gun an avocado and I have this in my hand. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at my roommate. I'm like, I got to really toss this thing. Like this got some good weight to it. And that ended up going mega viral for me. She interacted with it. I mean, like, Like, delicious writing articles on it. And that really, and that was strange for me because I don't know if I've particularly followed many people just from a viral tweet they've had, but I did start to get some followers streaming. I think they saw, you know, Twitter does that, does you a huge favor when you have some notable followers by saying, like, followed by blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I imagine since she has, what, 12 and a half million followers, whenever anyone goes to my page, it's probably her that pops up. And I think that's helped me out. But the blue check, like, just knowing I could get in someone's mentions and show up at the top. Or I can tweet someone with a ton of followers and they'll go to their verified mentions and see me. I mean, we've gotten a lot of mutual follows that way. It is a huge, huge boost to be able to get to your personal profile. And I don't know if you guys know, like the way I got verified was we're doing the work through Twitter when I'm working at the XFL and I just tacked my name on with all of the players and athletes that we were like trying to get verified and was like, let me tack on some, some staff at the office too. And just threw my name on there. Cause I had been begging to be verified for years because i just knew i knew it would help me out and somehow i wasn't when i was a sports Illustrated. but i ended up thankfully getting it now but it really is significant
1: i wouldn't want to tell your bosses at the xfl that you did that
0: <laughs> yeah i think he knew no he knew he was very supportive of my my just absolute clout chasing tendencies so he uh I he, yeah he knew he knew I was you throw you throw him me. in too he, um, he didn't want it. He was like, oh, I'm not really interested in that many. I think he saw my follower growth that I started stacking, and I think he was, he was going to be down for round two, and then the entire league collapsed and exploded within 48 hours. So we didn't really get that advantage. And I was kicked right out of the Twitter account immediately and lost. They threw us off our email within five seconds of that Zoom call ending, so I lost all my Twitter contacts and everything. Was that, your last, was that your last tweet, the Jake Gyllenhaal one, or was that someone I else? not at liberty to discuss... Who or what sent that tweet i it got out there it was sent it was interpreted by many as a public statement, which it was not. I'm just going to say that and i I don't know, but it was a, I will say it was a really good tweet. I think it was a good i think it was funny a
2: good, you think it would have been a good parting shot. whoever might have done it.
0: Whoever did it, I think they were definitely like we're on similar we're definitely on similar wavelengths, me and that person. Um, I just like last, the idea that
2: the account that the account
1: became sentient. It had been like trained on Bailey tweets and it yeah. just knew what the iTweet tweet should be.
0: Like it yeah. autonomously tweeted that. Yeah, without, like my eyes went like black mirror, like my eyes went dark for a second, I woke and then all yes. I came to and all of a sudden that was there. We'll say that happened. Exactly. I'm comfortable saying that happened, taking myself out of the equation it. there. So we talk I mean, my thing, like my brand has become, I mean, I liken myself more to more than being like a meme artist, but it's really just kind of like a brand that I've adopted. It's in the name of this podcast. Sam, you being someone who's worked in like the political space, is there a spot for memes in politics from large, like from actual politicians themselves? Is there a place for memes?
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't want to end up like the Steve Buscemi, uh, how are your kids doing meme that is the um, biggest fear of any social media is, manager
0: anywhere. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, and it's especially a fear of a politician's social media manager because uh-huh. that actually is what's happening, right? Like when a politician's pretending to be cool on Twitter, a yes. lot of the time that's what's going on. Um, I will say also that having an authentically like digital native politician or principal is like a massive advantage. So you look at like two of the most successful – campaigns ever that took place digitally are aocs and like she ran her own account for a really long time and like it's just clear she grew up like we did like you know not that much older than us Mm -hmm. um and just like knows how to do the internet and she's incredible at it um and so nobody rolls their eyes or thinks that she's like trying to pander that's just clearly who she is and how she communicates um and then Beto's senate race he and chris evans obviously who is his communications director and you can see like in the documentary is like you know carrying around the little selfie stick and, and filming Beto. But Beto yep. wanted everything to be streamed. His theory was like, there shouldn't be an event anywhere in the, in the state of Texas that the rest of the state couldn't see and that the rest of the country mm-hmm. couldn't see. And like there yeah. were so many viral moments that came out of that campaign because it was a digital native campaign. Um, moments that were just him speaking on the road somewhere that were sort of like the driving force that led him to raise more money than any other candidate in history. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's because he was someone who understood how the internet worked. Memes themselves are hard. Um, I think that like memes can work on a campaign account much better than they can on the person's account. And I think like the campaign account is sort of like an underutilized thing. Uh, I'd also have a pet peeve where I think the word utilized is the worst word in the english language because you could always say use (laughs) it's literally it's just it's a it's a useless word it's just if you're trying to filibuster um but i used it anyway um so i think there's definitely room in the political world for memes um but you have to have a really good meme craftsman and you have to have just like it has to be plausible that it could be coming from your principle like if mitch mcconnell started posting memes like it just it it wouldn't play Um, And i think the same thing's true of chuck schumer
0: yeah. So I think well, I find that interesting too, because I think the only reason I was able to be successful as people said I was with the XFL account was because I got to start and bring it before anyone had eyes on it as doing this. If the NFL main account or the NBA main account did even half of like the type of like really goofy, deep internet meme type stuff that I had done, they would have been lambasted for it. They would have gotten, how do you do fellow kids over and over again?
2: How do you guys think, um, does anyone know how the Stakeums account thing started? That I don't know. I see them on TikTok constantly though. Because it's amazing what they, they're doing yeah. on Twitter and how they made the choice to do that brand. I would, I would love to understand how, who convinced who that they should take this approach. It feels like an owner of a company. It like, feels like someone. Totally. Um, but it's really perfectly executed yeah that's I hope that's is, the other thing I, I hope, say, yeah it was just like it's just like it, the other thing that's cool with memes
1: that you can do is if it's like completely. Dichotomy, or like, clear that it does that it shouldn't work, like yes. the New Jersey account that's like, oh my like god, ridiculous. the
0: me me hongi me want bagel, like uh, that that account is the best, dude. I love that one.
1: Yeah, it's genius because, like, of course, because it, it's so ridiculous. So, so you just you just can't pretend to be like you're digitally native. Either don't be and do it and have it be ironic, or actually be the real thing.
2: So I know you wanted us to have favorite memes. Can I just tell you I have a favorite meme? Let's hear. And it. it's well what I love is it was actually just created by a person and this person has been acknowledged as having created it. And it's just the two words, it me, the it me meme. Yes. And this woman named Andrea Katz pasta versus saucy is her name on Twitter. I mean, she just said that one day really, and it's documented like they found it. And yeah, she just said it me. And uh, it became this, thing like wildfire and then i tried once for six months to get it right i Uh kept trying to get it me right exactly (laughs) right now i'm I'm a master of it but uh, as it's passed nobody cares anymore but now i can really use it perfectly but to me it's great that that this this woman just like said that one day and then owned it and it became she's a great follow too on both insta and on um uh twitter and and uh she doesn't get
0: enough credit for having actually just invented a, a a meme Isn't it ridiculous how things can just spiral now? Like how, like that, like it me is a, it's a cultural phenomenon. And it's just because someone just decided to say that once. And the fact that it's such a simple phrase and no one ever really used the term before to represent the same point that she did. It's just, that's why I love the internet. That's why I love like working in this space. It's it's preposterous. It's It's truly preposterous. It really is. You're also being sort of humble about your
1: fruit throwing tweet. Like just like in terms of, portraying how viral it went. I'm kind of curious from your perspective. So you like send something off like that. You can say the metrics. You probably know them better than I do, but it's it was a, gotta be one of the most viral tweets of that week, month. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was. Like, yeah obscenely yeah, it was. viral. Can you explain how something like enters the zeitgeist
0: from just your account and what that looks like from yeah. your vantage point as someone who gets yeah. that out there? Absolutely. So I from a brand account perspective, I got I've gotten to the point like XFL with our followers we had, I could send a tweet in ballpark within a th- within depending on the type of tweet and especially on instagram like within 250 to 300 likes where it was going to end up i just got to wow. know our audience i looked at enough of them we posted like crazy on there from my personal account it's very different sometimes and like i will send a tweet like, i'll be sitting there with my phone in my hands and i'll send a tweet and be like that one is going to pop off like that's going to be a slapper it's going to be great people are going to love this and i look back on my phone i'm like "Hmm, are my notifications not loading right now like is, is twitter uh-huh. down and then all of a sudden i'm like looking at My followers dropping and i'm like, oh that's interesting and but that's the tough thing with gaining a lot of followers from a viral tweet I go and I tweet like I remember this is the specific one I had the fruit throwing tweet and then it finally died like two and a half three days later and then I tweeted something like, wow, just found out some people wipe different ways. Like, that's pretty crazy. Like, talk about people wiping themselves after going to the bathroom. And I lost like 130 followers in five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you have but to at be the same totally time, I don't want to- those people. Like, I don't want those people you following me.
2: those followers. Like, like, when I first started doing Sandpoint, when I first started doing the Royale, I flaked 500 followers quickly. Yeah. I didn't know. He noticed. He was like, you flaked uh-huh. off 500. And I was like, you know what? I'm totally good with that. If those people, I, I would rather have this, it's one of my friends, Seth Godin, who's a genius about this stuff, always talks mm-hmm. about, you want your people. Yeah. And I gained thousands of followers right afterwards. But you know, you have to be willing to lose groups of people who aren't really your people. You know, yeah, like you I don't have. want,
0: I don't, the last thing I want the way I run my account, and maybe this is because I do run a brand, brand accounts like, an, uh, like professionally, I don't want to have to curb myself. I don't want to have to think before I tweet. I know me and you have actually talked about this, Sam. Like there's always, you get those follows from people, and I just start panicking. And I'm like, oh, like what's this next? Like Katie Nolan followed me, and Katie Nolan is someone I have loved and looked up to for such a long time. And I was sitting there for a good five minutes, just like, with my phone in my hand like what is this first tweet going to be like what if she is like why did i follow this kid and then i had an influx because i did the dan lebitard account and that just put me on the radar of a lot of espn people and like mina kimes katie nolan michael jr all these people all of a sudden are following me i'm like man like I don't know what – they don't know what they're signing up for. Like, they liked – like, after this earnest, nice tweet my dad said about me of these nice things, like, they followed me, and now they're going to be horrified. But they've stuck around for now. Um. So – but you – okay, so to get back to your your wider arching point there, Sam, it's it's almost – like – I walked into a movie and I think the fruit throwing tweet had 30,000 likes. And I was, I was like going to the screen, a screening of the step, the step back, the way back that Ben Affleck basketball movie, whatever it is. I was walking to a screening of that. And I said to my roommate, like, I think this might do like 10,000 number in this movie. I got out. It had 110. It did 80,000 an hour and a half. So wow. one Twitter it's, social media becomes completely unenjoyable when a tweet starts going that big because you can't see anything going on. So you have to mute that tweet. But at the same time, I don't want to mute that and miss interaction from someone on Chrissy Teigen level. And then all of a sudden I don't engage and I miss out on having a mutual follow potentially or some witty banter back and forth with a famous person. So honestly, like I can't say it's miserable and I hate it, but I don't really enjoy it very much. Like when something goes huge like that, it, it, it makes Twitter completely unenjoyable for like a handful of days. Interesting. Yeah. That is one of the wildest
1: humble brags I've ever heard in But my life. I will
0: say, I will say having being verified and having verified mentions does make everything like a tweet going big a lot more manageable because you can see blue check people. That, that was just uh, that. exponential. That was like a, a humble brag to the second. Through an alley to the like, and then dunked that blue check directly through the hoop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A self alley. That was that was impressive. That was like Tracy McGrady in the All-Star game.
0: Yeah. But it is funny because like you do see people with way more followers than I have who just don't have the tweets kind of go viral like that. And I think it's I just think it's partially my voice and just how I think I, I'm not curbed. So I mean I fire I shoot a lot of misses. I shoot like four percent from the field on Twitter. Like most of the time it's just a steaming pile of dog do that I throw out there. But when it hits, it really hits. And I'm still trying You're to You're try like to your hero Carmelo happens. Anthony. Yeah, Okay, well, we're not going to have that conversation today. That's one that we're not going to have
1: today. No, I'm just saying it's no wonder. It's, all I'm saying is it's no wonder that Carmelo yeah. Anthony is your favorite basketball player
0: on the Knicks. I love that guy. Wow, I can't believe. You know what? I can't leave can it uncommented. He's the worst. Worst uh, ever, I, the worst Nick of all time. The worst Nick of all time? That is, come on. For
2: his effect on the team. Yes, for his effect on the <laughs> team, for what he did to the organization. The what worst- about Andrea Bargnani? How about <laughs> no, him? No, no? Uh, you can mention Glenn Gondrzic. I can name many more Nicks than, than you can, Bailey. Uh, and Danny. I'll <laughs> just say we can <laughs> we go forever on naming Nicks, and he's the worst. Carmelo's had the, the most uh, deleterious effect on the organization of anybody.
1: And and oh, just well, we can move on from this conversation because uh-huh. you don't want to have it. But I will say that I do wonder if part of me—it's like growing up in like a in like a Mormon cult or something. Like I've, i there was no there was no way I was going to have a different opinion on
2: on Mel. Everything I wrote for Grantland yeah. about the Knicks was me and you together at the game. We had those experiences no, I
1: together. I know. I'm saying that I think that I think that there was just i don't even think i'd be welcome in my home if i said even a kind word about it
0: and see the opposite actually in yeah, my huge. house my dad is a diehard Syracuse basketball fan and he feels he owes so much to carmelo for that single national championship carmelo could t- drive into our driveway and run him over with a car and i think my dad would be like god Bayheim, a championship so i think i would just get, get from jimmy b cha-
2: he'd get jimmy b a championship Yeah, Your dad would
0: get run did.
1: over and just like his
0: final move would be the like forehead mellow yeah thing. yeah him just like this him here yeah, exactly <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, man, I, this is not a visual medium podcast, but we were doing the Carmelo through three to the dome. If you guys, for for you guys who are listening, so which I Bri-
1: think Quentin Richardson
0: invented weirdly. Yeah,
1: yeah, good, Got, he glad did, to have he his did name did doing something. He did this and then Melo did this. Yeah, yeah. People can't of, see anything. Speaking of, of forgotten did, mix,
0: up. um, so Brian, one of my favorite like things that I've ever seen on Twitter, and this was just like a great thread, is just whenever you get into like inopportune times. That people decide that it's the time to like pitch you story ideas and yeah. uh, general ideas. How often do you get pitched story ideas? Like, how often does this happen? Like, listen, that's I. You can't really complain
2: about it. The bad one, and you can find it somewhere on Twitter. Is you know, the the, the day that my mother died, a, a distant mm-hmm. relative thought that was a good opportunity. This was ten years ago, so I can talk about it. But yeah, you know, uh, a distant relative followed me. But literally, the day my mother died. Um, my sister's ex-husband by the time husband's father came over to the house and just wouldn't leave me alone about pitching me a movie idea and uh-huh. um yeah people will take i mean if you just think about that i mean if you just like actually imagine the kind of person who would do something like that in that situation understand that that it must also happen all the time no <laughs> yeah. matter what uh-huh. like a couple of days ago someone online said uh, hey can i pitch you an, an idea and i said no not great because the lawyers and then he wrote what do lawyers have to do with it? And I said, well, because people, and it just <laughs> won't. And then finally, like four other people came in and he was like, dude, the guy doesn't want to hear your fucking idea. Like, yeah.
0: it, do you, you ever fear that maybe you're missing out on like the next great American movie because you're not taking advice from at user dog profile picture 397 on Twitter? Do you ever feel like maybe you're missing out on the next great thing? We'll all survive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you seem to be like you're, you're in a pretty good spot right now. We'll so, all all
1: right. I, I do uh, think we didn't get to your favorite a good enough idea, but just like, it's something that someone said on your podcast once when,
2: when I just said, we'll all survive. I just want to say if, if I ironically get COVID and die, uh, I didn't mean <laughs> it literally. So it's not going to be, no one's going to own, uh, own me because I, I said, we're all going to survive. And then I, I got <laughs> COVID and passed. I just meant in the metaphorical context
0: be very good for my podcast listeners <laughs> i'm the first i'm trying to you know get this out there i think it would probably spike my podcast listening maybe get myself
2: really you want me yeah. to get a dose so. i should get a quick dose and then die from it and that would why don't it you the
0: last thing i want for you is to die i do not want that to happen but like a a scare could be really good for my viewership and sure, listeners I you know that. i forgot
1: who said this on your podcast dad but um now I'm a kid citing his dad's podcast, which is just, you know, not the best. But um, <laughs> someone said something about how, like, if you, if you reject all of those things, like the, like, the cold openings, uh-huh. like the people who are the most, like, industrious and whose ideas are probably worth hearing will, like, find another way to you. They'll, like, look closely at, like, who you actually follow, connect with them, get a warm introduction. I don't know. Do you remember who said that?
3: Mark Andreessen.
1: It was Mark Andreessen, um, <laughs> who actually just wrote a great piece on uh, COVID and recovery that people should... People should check out. Nice. Um, but uh, Mark Andreessen, who
2: basically invented the internet. I don't know if you guys know, I mean, Sam and Bailey. He, he, he's the guy, he invented Netscape um, oh. and Mosaic. And then now he's a huge venture capitalist, billionaire, but, but actually was the programmer who invented oh, the, wow. the browser, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he and I have talked on each of our, I don't remember if it was on his or my podcast, but, but maybe it was mine, where he, he said that that's all he, he wants, is someone to get a warm... All you need to do is find a way to get a warm introduction to him and then he'll listen to your idea and it's a great first barrier. Can you get a warm introduction? Warm introduction would mean somebody convinced you to tell me that they weren't crazy and I should listen to their idea. That's a warm introduction. If you can't Uh get that, I'm good not hearing the idea. But people listening to this don't just now write movie ideas to Bailey. No, Bailey has to say no to all of them or he'll no longer have a warm introduction.
0: I think you're, you're greatly underestimating how much I crave attention. If anyone has any ideas about anything, my DMs are open for a reason. I'm here for it. Like I am, I am again, unemployed, not busy and refreshing my DMs about every 10 seconds or so. So you got movie ideas, I'm your guy. <laughs> um so we didn't get to your favorite meme, Sam. Do you have a favorite meme? It could be like as specific as like the one way you saw it used, or it could just be like an overarching.
1: Yeah, no, I have a specific favorite meme. It's like very okay. niche and I've said niche now twice and on brand <laughs> for me, but there's the the like you know, the most overused meme, the like the look back at it one, the guy with yes. the girlfriend and the other person. What's that meme called in Internet um, parlance
0: What's th- it called? I think guy guy looking at other girl. yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's the dude's like girlfriend figure is all of the punctuation marks except for the M dash, which is the other girl <laughs> and the guy like looks back <laughs> at the M dash, which anyone who's read my writing, it's a deep cut meme, but anybody who's read my writing or the writing of many, you know, people like me who, who, who discovered the M dash. Cause the M dash is the ultimate hack, poly, uh, hack punctuation, not like the, the oh, punctuation yeah. of a, of, of someone who's a hack, but like yeah. it's a hack because you can use it for anything. It like, It does like metamorphosis between being a semicolon sometimes and a comma other times. And if you were someone who like didn't take your grammar lessons super seriously as a student, once you realize you can just start throwing em dashes out there, it's really hard to stop. Um. So that, that meme, that meme spoke to me in a, in a deep place. And I also text with
0: M dashes, like my text jokes that's have M dashes. That's wild. I like that. That's, that's some true writer stuff right there that I don't think I've ever, cause I journalism school, I, I went to and I took a grammar class and the professor who taught that class described the M dash as a cheat code. She's like, it's basically just a cheat code. You could you use it all You took a
2: grammar class yet. You just said journalism school. I went to.
0: What is wrong with I, that? I was Journalism, journalism school, school. yeah now i gotta
2: put the verb oh sorry I didn't, I didn't say journalism order.
0: school i went to journalism went to- school comma m dash which i went to other <laughs> to which i on. to which i went or <laughs> yeah that, maybe yeah well i i'm not a journalist am i i'm sending tweets now you don't see a lot of m dashes in tweets but no it's funny to your point sam like i think one of the reasons that memes have such lasting power and meme culture has become like a real thing and memes do dominate the space is it's like that we're all living the same life kind of thing like you something that you think would only relate to you has a hundred thousand likes or has five hundred thousand views and I just think uh Brian you said something earlier about how just like the internet kind of just like break like you just makes everyone a little bit closer and feel like you're kind of in the same group like I think that's what memes can do so often too because you realize wow a hundred thousand people also did this incredibly unique thing I was embarrassed about when I was a little kid or something like that
2: but it also is, Bailey, I have to say, you are so good at, at the internet, just as we're talking about all of this, you know, and and you've mentioned a couple times that you're unemployed, which there's no way that's lasting for a long time because you're brilliant at this because you're able to do this thing where you may fire away a lot of stuff, as, as you say, and you think you have a 4% batting average, but you have a very warm Twitter presence somehow um, and inviting and people can tell you're a good dude. And that is, um, I know that that's genuine, but that's also a skill to be able to be, that clean and clear about what's in your heart as you're doing this stuff and i mean it's it's a very small group of people who end up through social media becoming friends with sammy and me uh, it's a wide uh there you know not just the age difference but the whole different worlds that we're in and um it's really you have a very impressive skill set but more than that dude it's clear you're you know now that i actually know you you're a good person who roots for people to do well and i think that all that stuff exists in in what you're doing and whoever uh, ends up being lucky enough to have you work for them is going to, it's clear to me, is going to have a, a, a huge advantage having you run their shit.
1: So now we know which clip from this podcast is going to be the preview.
0: Which clip from this podcast is going to <laughs> be my resume now. I'm going to cut that <laughs> off, put it to some video, like some dramatic video of myself. And I'm just going to start handing zip drives out to people. Um, do people use zip drives? No, people don't use zip drives anymore, right? What kind of comments? It's are a that? good reference though yeah for the, for the for the for my audience which is primarily 14 year olds who followed me because of the xfl tiktok a zip drive was something that you put, <laughs> just, put it, or just put it on. on a floppy send it to me put it on a floppy yeah. and yeah. put it in the
2: mail to me yeah
0: i'm gonna car i'm gonna transcribe it carve it down into a friggin disc um all right so honestly i think that's covered pretty much everything that i want to chat with you guys this went fast which i think is always a good right brian you have a lot more uh, in- uh experience awesome. Than I awesome it's good man. when things go good fast job. that means it's good right so yeah time flies when you're having fun time flies when you're having fun so i'm gonna give my producer zach here a quick chance to just ask one question to the group and then i think we'll wrap up and i'll do your guys intro
4: i was completely unprepared for this uh i mean i guess you all having sort of a really broad Experience in culture, you know, for the person who is trying to make it now. I mean, you've got sort of two generations of knowledge. Like, what is the best way to sort of get yourself out there? I feel like the social media, Twitter, it's really like democratized the ability to sort of get your name yeah, out gosh. there, but it also means you're swimming in just nonstop noise and, uh, like, who do I have to talk to to get you to read my screenplay?
2: <laughs> I mean, at, 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 yeah, the way to, I mean, asking, you know, it's even though we were joking about it, like, yeah, and what you want to do is flip it, right? So someone asks you if they can read your stuff, um, as opposed to you being the one asking. <laughs> add value wherever you can and however you can, in a smart way without seeming like a crazy person. I mean, that's the—that's what I would say, you know, add value. Don't seem like a crazy person. Uh, take your shots. That, I it's you know do the work it's such basic crap but like um i mean i've watched the way sam has done it and i don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna say but sam you helped a lot of people with a lot of things while you were getting paid to do other things you helped people for free you rewrote people's speeches and their statements and i just watched you grind a lot for a long time like the other thing is people can like if I just look at, so I broke in so long ago that it doesn't count, but if you look at what Sam did, Sam was writing front page Huff post pieces at 15 or 16. I don't want to exaggerate at 16, 14. How old are you for real?
1: I don't know. Yeah. 15 or something.
2: And, um, and then through college, you kept working and kept taking chances and kept doing that stuff and like kept writing basically. And yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I, I, I can't
1: start this, conversation any place other than like ridiculous amounts of privilege and network that I like was like raised into and people I became friends with from my Mm -hmm. environment like that's obviously like the the beginning of any conversation on this kind of thing um yeah I mean the the thing you were saying about doing doing free work it's it's hard and this also came from a place of privilege but and also is something that a lesson that I learned from Seth Godin um where he says do things full price or free which is like, I think a great mentality. Cause like the second you start doing, so if you do something for free, you've like done a favor, like someone yeah. like remembers that you did a nice thing for them. And that like lasts a really long time in their memory. Um, if you do something full price, it explains your worth. Like, you're like, this is like, I'm like a real person. That's like you saying, like I'm a professional. Like, this is not like a hobby. This isn't like a side hustle. Like this is my, this is my thing. This thing has worth. Um, but if you do, the second you do something at a discount, you're both not doing someone a solid and you're devaluing your work and it's like hard to, hard to bounce back from that. Um, but for me, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the thing on the, the front side of that, which is like doing as, as many favors for as many cool people as possible. And then I do always shoot my shot. If someone's like a hero of mine, like the way I've, the way like I've lived my like professional life is there's like people I'll seek out who I like really admire um, so like the, one of my first heroes was John Favreau speechwriter for Obama i read about he was like 26 years old i was like holy shit that's like the coolest guy in the world um, so i just like decided being a speechwriter is what i wanted to do and wanted to get closer to him and like through like a really windy crazy path i wrote a bunch of free speeches for a campaign um before i had any right being a speechwriter those were good enough to get me hired full time somewhere and then know someone who that worked for John and then brought me in. Um, and then, you know, now I get to sort of like work, I get to work at his, his company. Um, so that's been, that's sort of been my approach is like figure out the the humans who I admire most and then try to track them down and hustle in whatever way to, to, to get to them. Um, but there's no, there's no real method and it's all obviously grounded in, in immense privilege.
4: Well, but that's that awesome. I mean, like you guys recognize that, you know, <laughs> I think that's really important. And the fact that like you're willing to even listen to folks and give them an opportunity and use your power. And I I will say Bailey, for instance, I've lumped onto Bailey uh, being older than him. He's, he's younger. He's actually my wife's cousin. Uh, (laughs) But you know, he's the same, you know, when you say he's genuine and stuff, like I'm going to blow him up a little bit here because that's true. He does the same thing. Like even at his level of celebrity right now, I think that's really important. And it's also like, that makes me love people more, right? Like you have the privilege, but you're not, you're you're not wasting it, you're using it as a power, which I, I think a lot of people in positions of privilege, you know, particularly in this time, aren't doing. And I think that that's really important. So
0: I think it's an interesting thing too, because like I've found, and we'll wrap up right after this, but it's not that easy sometimes to find the proper channels to do when to do good work. Like I remember, even as simple as like trying to find somewhere, because like I was away from family during Christmas, and like trying to find somewhere to volunteer during Christmas was incredibly difficult to do. Or I put out on Twitter, like, hey, I'd love to talk to some people about just like working in the field or something and then you get a whole bunch of people to write you back and then or you just get none and the people you do write back don't hear back from you so it's like it's hard to find kind of groups and channels to do good work sometimes even for people who are looking to do it so i'm just trying to do it on a personal level as much as possible you know yes
2: that all makes sense bailey this has been awesome yeah well thank you guys so um, much i appreciate it
3: thank you
0: For the random Twitter follower portion of today's episode, I'm chatting with Mo Gore at Mogore11 on Twitter.
3: Let's do it. Since we know can't shake hands or anything, is a bow. Is a bow. Yeah, there we
0: go. We're bowing. There we go. So you're, are you in on the bow?
3: We'll start there. Are you into the bow? I'm in on the bow. Honestly, I I think the more extra, the better. So I was a fan of three. Lots of lots of hand. Lots of moving. I'm down. You know, the extra, the better. Good. I appreciate.
0: I appreciate that you're into it. All right. So, hey, so you're the first quote unquote random guest, random Twitter follower guest. You mean more than that to me. We're friends now. We're on this together. So what, uh, tell me a little about yourself. Like what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do?
3: All right. So my name's Mo Gore. I'm originally from uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Um, so I graduated from App State where I played football there with a um, physical education degree. Um, Got into high school coaching for a while. That's what I'm currently doing. Um, I've been the general manager and offensive coordinator for an arena football team for three years. And then I was an intern in App State and USC's weight room for about a year. And um, one of my best friends that I played with at App got a head job in Charlotte. So I'm his strength coach now. And uh, we're just teamed up trying to uh, take on the Charlotte football world at the moment.
0: I love that. So strength coach, I feel like when you think of like a strength coach, you just think of like this kind of like meathead, big dude who's supposed to like bring the energy, you know, like they have to bring the energy. Yeah. You, are, are you like, is that the kind of role you play? Like, are do you bring, do you bring like the good vibes, the energy?
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's kind of my role. And, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not that super huge strength coach. I've always been a little bit more leaner, faster guy whenever I played. So I kind of take a different approach to it. And, um, you know, instead of throwing up, like incredibly heavyweight, you know, we're very, very form focused, uh, lots of focus on speed. So, we do things a little bit differently, taking away okay. from the the big weights, strength training a little bit, but we put a lot of focus on form, which is uh, it's a good little change up.
0: Yeah. So, I did a, like a little stalking of your social media prior to this interview and stuff. I feel like you're definitely not foreign to the TikTok space. So, what is uh, so you're doing the TikTok thing? How old, how old are you?
3: I am 26. 26. Right, I'm, 20, I'm
0: 25. That. So we're right. Yeah, I know. That's me too. I just turned 25 recently and I, I still keep saying 24. Um, so us, like, I think we're like a little older than like the, the demo, like TikTok guys. So what got you Most interested yes. in TikTok?
3: So um, this year was my first year teaching high school in Charlotte. So, you know, I get to school, we started football in the summer and I had been there for a little bit and I keep hearing these kids talking about, TikTok videos and being uh-huh. TikTok famous and you know I really don't pay much attention and you know eventually this kid on our team has a video that gets like I don't know maybe like a hundred thousand views or something everybody thinks it's just the craziest thing and we finally get to school so I'm starting to know my students a little bit better uh-huh. and uh, there's this one kid in my second block of class everybody's like oh he's TikTok famous he's TikTok famous I was still like god I, I don't that means nothing to me uh-huh. I don't know what that is and um, eventually get to know him, super cool kid, and he asked me to be in one of his videos, and I don't think anything of it, like it's us dancing or doing something, Uh and I don't think anything of it. He's like, hey, I'm gonna post this this afternoon, I'll show it to you tomorrow, I'm like, all right, cool. And he comes to me tomorrow, he's like, dude, you gotta make a TikTok, like our video got like three million views, like you gotta make an account. Yeah, but he's, he's got I think two point something million followers. Oh, so our he's like really has, out
0: there. He's like really doing it. Yeah,
3: our school has Josh, who has like over two million. Another girl who has two million, and then this kid Kyle, who's got probably six or seven hundred thousand. So our wow, school so you is guys are just like, like a, a little, TikTok star breeding ground in the school hug, that you're in, man. But uh, that's basically the only reason I have any amount of following on there is because of my students and them putting gotcha. me in videos. It is not. I love that uh, my own creation
0: it's funny because like i used to i'm not sure if you know but like i used to be an english teacher i was an english teacher for a year so like i know i know that area like i know the space and tiktok was like just starting to become a thing like it really wasn't this was two and a half years ago at the time it was mostly musically and it was like something that like there was a sect of like musically type kids that they were doing that but like they were kind of like looked at like "Mm," by the rest of the kids but now it feels like I mean, it feels like now, like this is a legit way for like kids to make money, like and really make a name for themselves and
3: they're they're Absolutely, doing it. Like some man. of these kids on there making it happen. Uh I mean, I know like just my my two students I was telling you about, I mean, the kids will go on live for an hour and make a few hundred bucks just by people donating. And I'm like, Y'all aren't even Crazy. like selling anything, marketing or making a product, like people are just giving you money. Like they're the product. I, Right, and I I'm trying to like one. I think they both have merch, so they're doing like the basic stuff to um mm-hmm. have a little, add a little bit of uh, I guess you could say entrepreneurial tendencies yeah. to it. But um, you know, I I was telling them like you guys haven't even really associated with a product or anything. Like if you they're still like, money, find a yeah. If you if you can find a little niche to work with and a product or a company that kind of fits for you, um, I was telling them like y'all need to go after some of this stuff because there's not many you know, 17, 18 year olds, um, especially guys that millions of people know who they are. Yeah,
0: no, that, I mean, to hear that number, even millions, I mean, I don't have, like you give me a million followers on somewhere. Don't even, I'm not looking back. You know what I mean? I'm doing nothing else. I'm,
3: I'm surprised you don't, man. Um, how long, how long have you been on Twitter? I've been on
0: Twitter for like, nine years um okay. i think it's twitter is hard to gain followers it's definitely like as someone who's managed brand accounts and stuff it's definitely the hardest place to gain followers and it's where i'm like the most relevant by a mile so that's been tough but i mean i only had uh until like four months ago i only had like 2500 followers actually and i've really had a nice boost these last couple of months the xfl season helped and then
3: uh yeah. getting
0: fired from the xfl and that league folding and a lot of your uh, nice stuff about you
3: too so the fruit, the fruit tossing tweet. I'm sure it yeah. got you some attention. Yep, that I saw one was that. Big. So
0: when did you start following me on Twitter? Do you remember? Like uh, is it prob- relatively probably right.
3: No, probably, um, right. As soon as you got the XFL job. Okay, cool. I was, I was pretty curious. Like I had saw some of y'all's early work and was pretty curious as to who was behind it. So, um, I, I kind of, like you said, do a little stalking and uh, try to yeah. figure <laughs> out who, who, who was behind it. And I found you and a few other guys that more, more so did the, um, personal team accounts, So okay, yeah. being able to talk talk with you guys a little bit, because that space just always interests me. You know, um, I don't think I want to teach high school forever. I absolutely uh-huh. love it. And I love impacting youth right now. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think there is going to be a day in my life where, you know, that 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 portion is over. And I want to uh, kind of go into sports full time. Um, I've always kind of done a little bit of everything and don't like uh-huh. being I don't want to say tie down to one thing, but I like having my no, options that, open though. to, uh, yeah, just have options to kind of do and and work as I please. Nice. Um,
0: all right. Well, that's like the five minute chat that I was planning on having. I kind of wish I could talk to you a little bit longer, but that's all the time I have slotted in the show. But if you would like oh, to, oh good, our recurring tiktok manufacturing expert um i would love to have that and i will know maybe get you to have some of those kids maybe want to collab with me give me
3: some more followers on Dude, abs- and on absolutely man they're yeah. uh, like i said they're all they're all cool kids i'll uh i'll hit them up and uh, you just give me any ideas i'll we can get them to do at you or, or something like that oh
0: man sounds good to me i appreciate that mo it was really good talking to you bro